of Mrs. King's Chronicles, a podcast for fans of the 80s TV show Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm joined by my friends and fellow podcasters, Jen Peterson and Taya Johnston, and I'm Lexi Fima. Today we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 4, No Thanks for the Memory. It originally aired on October 10th, 1985, and it was filmed fifth, but shown fourth. Uh, We've spoken about both the director and the writer multiple times, but I'll mention them briefly. Um, So the director is Harvey Laidman. He directed 10 total Scarecrow Mrs. King episodes, five in season three and five in season four. The first one in season three was A Lovely Little Affair, and the last one in season four is suitable for framing. Um, The writer... The writer is Lee Maddox. He wrote seven episodes, three in season three and four in season four. First one was Sour Grapes, and the last one will be The Cruise Ship List. Um, He was also credited as a story editor, which I think we mentioned previously as well, but want to touch on because there were so many, um, specifically 31 throughout season three and season four. As far as the guest stars, uh, we've also talked about the actor who plays Ephraim Beeman, uh, Joseph Brutzman. He, uh, since we've already spoken about him, I'll just mention that he's a recurring character in seven Scarecrow Mrs. King episodes, starting with Tale of the Dancing Weasel in season three, and we'll see him four more times in season four. Um, the first new guest star I want to highlight today is Alan Coleman, who plays Med Dorloff. His age is unlisted, but he grew up in Montreal, Canada, and attended Yale University from 1971 until 1972, but did not complete his degree. He had 90 total acting credits. Uh, some popular TV series he had small parts in were Wonder Woman, Remington Steel, 9 to 5, Seinfeld. Uh, specifically, he was a cab driver in the episode The Movie in 1993. Roseanne, Fantasy Island, JAG, NYPD Blue, ER, and then he also did some movie work. Two notable ones that I found were Holes. He played the character Stanley the First, and he was also uncredited as Harry Fokker in Meet the Fockers. Uh, His last two roles were in 2012, and he played a character named Vlad in the TV show Scandal in the episode Sweet Baby. And he also played a character called Virgil Roman in The Mentalist in the episode Red Sails in the Sunset. His personal website, alancoleman.com, says he retired from acting in 2012, but he still works as a photographer shooting portraits, landscapes, children, dogs, insects, and interestingly enough, microorganisms. So that's Alan. Well, the first Alan, I should say, Alan Coleman. The next actor I'll talk about is Alan Toy. He played Pat Danley. He was born on May 24th, 1950. And an interesting piece of trivia about him is that he contracted polio at age three and he's a paraplegic. He has 50 acting credits. He had a lot of one-off parts in several TV shows. So that includes MASH, Hunter. For you, Jen, he was in the episode Silver Bullet as George Haynes. Uh, He was also in Matlock, The West Wing. And I also included Alias for Miranda in case she joined tonight. Uh, But that episode was The Road Home as Frank Murdoch. Other TV shows where he had recurring roles were mainly Beverly Hills 90210 as Professor Patrick Finley. And according to his self-written IMDb bio, biography, some of his career highlights include that he has, and this is all I'm, I got air quotes around this, right? So he has freaked out Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator as a man on crutches. He has gone face-to-face with Matt Dillon in the movie Kansas as Nelson Nordquist. 
he's pulled a gun on Clint Eastwood in the line of fire as Walter Wicklin, and he was also in Tom Cruise's Born on the Fourth of July as paraplegic number three. His last credit was in 2008 as Trent from the show Brothers and Sisters. The final guest star I'll talk about today is Lance Roberts, and he played uh, Courier in this episode. His age is unlisted, but he was still working as of last year in 2020. He had 35 total acting credits, and Scarecrow Mrs. King was actually only his second acting gig at the time. He had small parts on TV shows like The Colbys, Knott's Landing, The Drew Carey Show, Will and Grace, specifically as a waiter, Girlfriends, Numbers, Zoe 101, White Collar, and Law and Order SVU, as well as many others. And his most recent project was The Good Fight on CBS as the character Aiden in 2020, like I mentioned earlier. I picked him to talk about as a guest star because he had some cool information in his trivia section. So specifically, he spent eight years as Jafar in Aladdin, a musical spectacular in Disney California Adventure Park at the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California. He was also in the Broadway productions of Peely and Ghost, and was a part of the original Broadway Sister Act show that was composed by Alan Menken and produced by Whoopi Goldberg. Finally, he's a two-time Voice Arts Award nominee for his performance on the Western audio drama podcast, Powder Burns. So that's what I've got for the guest stars today. In this episode, the KTV attempts to use the skills of one of their citizens to help ambush America's Airborne Command Center. Well, at the same time, he seeks out Amanda for help defecting. For this episode, we have the shooting final script dated August 1st, 1986. Okay, so the episode opens with none other than Washington, D.C., but this is like an aerial shot, which is kind of cool. So we get to see the Jefferson Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, all that. It's kind of cool. But we do see something that's very familiar, especially recently. We see the same park that we saw when they filmed uh, Fast Food for Thought, when Carla and uh, Marty are trying to get the money from the old man kind of thing, that park. Oh, really? Remember? I, that. I think that's, I think that's um, Griffith Park, isn't it? It's part of it. It looks, it looks like it, yeah. yeah. So... Um, what we see is um, two men, uh, Zamed, we later find out is Zamed, and then the other gentleman, Dimitri, and he's driving the actual car, but apparently Zamed's driving the other guy crazy. So just by with all of his information, he, he's like a trivia guy. He knows everything. He's a computer, essentially a computer. So he's just going over things and he's like, did you know that Babe Ruth uh, isn't the namesake from for the baby Ruth? You know, a lot of people thought that, but it's really Grover Cleveland's daughter, I Ruth. I know that. Okay. <laughs> time that was the first time i heard oh really oh how funny yeah i mean how old was i like you know not yeah too much mid-20s i was mid-20s. yeah I yeah know. yeah i don't know because of Zemed, so thanks for that <laughs> the things i learned on scarecrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> so zamed's got a thing for candy bars too which that's near and dear to my heart too i i would love one right now <laughs> that does sound good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm detoxed for the past 24 days not that i'm counting or anything hours on the second so I'm sure yeah, right Zamed is distracting Dimitri and and frustrating Dimitri he I, apparently he's been chatting this way since they left Canada so they came through they're obviously Russian they came through Canada and now they're in the states and Zamed's like I can't pass for a Finnish person he's like my English is lousy he's telling him he should always speak English not Russian 
but it's obvious he has a Russian accent. So he distracts Dimitri because Dimitri's just had it up to here with all his knowledge. And uh, Dimitri takes his eyes off the road, which is a bad mistake because then he hits a ramp uh, and goes flying and the the car flips over and Dimitri, uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't make it. Uh, But our candy loving uh, guy Zamed does and a passerby stops and actually helps him. And then Zamed pulls out his fake passport and hands it to the guy and says, here's my, you know, here are my papers. And so then that that's when we, you know, the prologue is kind of over, but he's, he mentions that the driver's hurt seriously. Um, and obviously it's super serious because he's dead. That's what he gets for getting so irritated. Yeah. Yeah. Calm down, man. Yeah, that's nice little trivia. You could probably pick up a chick with that information. Did you know? Oh, by the way, I have a really funny, I think it's funny. Lane thought it was lame. I thought it was funny. It's a good HR joke. Okay. So I have this really good HIPAA joke for you, but I, but I can't tell you. I should have told it to you guys today. I was trying to uh, bring the spirits of my team up because we were all so depressed. We've been having rough go of things with hiring and terms and just all that. And so I'm like, I should have told him that told my lame joke. It would have made you laugh for being so stupid. But you know, whatever. Okay, so now we're at the agency. And Amanda's in their office in the queue. And uh, she's writing a note to leave for Lee. And just as she's taping it onto his monitor, uh, he walks in and she has to give him the bad news that she's got to cancel their lunch again. And he's none too happy. And that's a tiny office too. Yeah. She's keeping it so nice for him, I I assume. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. They're so cute here though. They're so comfortable with each other and, you know, the touch and, and all that. It's very sweet. Yeah. What we get is that she has to cancel and he's very disappointed and she's saying, I know, I wish I didn't have to, but Beeman called. He wants me to check out that possible bogus passport the Finns called about. The man's in the hospital. It's my first Class C interrogation. Ah, Class C interrogation is a soft interrogation. Lots of hand-holding, sweet-talking. Maybe we can make up for lost time by practicing on me. I don't think you need any practice. (laughs) Amanda, I don't see you enough. I'm sorry, but it's work. Now, you know, when we're at work, we have to behave like we're Mm -hmm. at work. Somebody could walk in the door any minute. How very, very practical of you. Except when we are not at work, we are not together enough to suit me. How about dinner tomorrow night at my place? You don't have any food at your place. Exactly. Which is so cute and flirty. (laughs) You know he has one thing on his mind. (laughs) So in the script, it's slightly, the, the verbiage is a little bit different. He goes, class C is a soft interrogation. Lots of hand-holding, sweet talking. We could make up for lost time if you practice with me. And she goes, what would I find out? And he says, that I'm sick and tired of only seeing you at work. It's been a whole week since we've had time alone. Lee gives her a kiss. She protests gently. I know, it's not like I don't miss being alone with you too. She stands away. When we're at work, it's better to be at work. Don't you think? Someone's going to walk in on us. She gives him a frustrated smile and gently removes herself from his grasp and heads for the door. So very, very practical of you, except when we're not at work, we're not together enough to suit me. How about dinner tomorrow my place? Sounds great. 
but you never have food in your apartment. Smiling. Exactly. So it's slightly different. We're a little bit just little tweaks. This is the, again, the shooting final. So there's only going to be kind of some small uh, type things. So, but it was cute. Yeah, it was cute. Now, do you guys, little trivia for you ladies to see if you're paying attention. Do you ladies recognize what is supposedly the uh, Russian embassy here? Hmm? Oh, breaking my heart, man. No, just the, the, the first clip of the outside of the building. Oh, that's the one that from, um. Come on, you got it. They played husband and wife, right? Uh, yes. Which episode? <laughs> um, <laughs> Weekend. Yes! Yay! Point to Jen. Yes, this yeah. is, this is the original Cumberland, right? Oh, so Mrs. Okay. Craddock, remember Mrs. Craddock? She didn't have her glasses, so she couldn't see. And she's like, oh, newlyweds. Remember that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's this, that they use this. This is what I was trying to get my guy that was making the Monopoly pieces to make this for the hotels was the Cumberland, oh, this one. That would have been cute. Wouldn't that have been cute? But he kind of ghosted me, so I'm not sure what's going to happen. And oh. I found another vendor, but they are, they're going to charge me $267 for one piece. What? <laughs> I was like, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Golly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just get whittling. Get whittling over there. <laughs> whittling. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I have to make some promises to my husband to get him to use uh, the 3D printer I got him for Christmas to make me some, I think. Oh, that yeah. would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got to. Get you get to <clears throat> ready. Hey, a girl's gotta do what a girl's gotta do, yeah. ladies. Hell yeah, well. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I did that. Only with you guys when I do that. <laughs> you <clears throat> anyways sorry editing taya you're not gonna enjoy this one you're gonna be embarrassed like yeah, i am you know taya had to do a lot of work what for this she have to do? Like, oh my god i had to drop on the floor too you don't even know <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so embarrassed. Oh my god. Why? That's hilarious. Oh, it's so oh, funny. <clears throat> uh, well, obviously I'm gonna start lower on the bidding scale, but I'm sure that's where it's gonna end up. <laughs> oh my god. Sliding scale. <laughs> Sliding scale for sure. Yes, for sure. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh Jen, don't act like you don't know. You know. <laughs> No. Well, I'm not persuaded to be bribed in that area. Oh. I'm in that area. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, Lane will do anything for that. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like I've been drinking, but I haven't. (laughs) Just water. (laughs) Shitty water. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I was going to say something, but I'm not. I'm going to move on. Okay. <laughs> it's best. It's best not to. You're welcome. <laughs> Mainly Jen. Sorry, Lex, because you seem to enjoy it, but Jen's not. I do. I, you know, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> okay. So now after the cute scene with Lee and Amanda, we have uh, the, uh, what is the Russian embassy? And um, they're talking about um, looking glass and it's, you know, we'll find out what looking glass is shortly, um, a little bit more into the episode. But these are clearly Russian people, um, some pretending to be Americans, but they're clearly Russian. Um, the black and white picture of Zemed's kind of cute. You know, he's kind of cute there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Normal, not my thing, but, you know, not my type, but he looks kind of cute there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So, Lex, do you like uh, Tolst? Do you think he's cute? He's tall, blonde. He's evil. He seems to be your guy in the thing. No? He's, he's a little bit too... Um, sharp? Like, weaselly. Like, like, his like, his features are very sharp. Yeah. He's he's not, like, the weasel face man, per se. He's <laughs> yeah. got that vibe, so I'm not... Oh, okay. That. All right. I was wondering, because he's blonde, so I thought, oh, maybe she likes that. And he's tall. But, yeah. His face does look like he had plastic surgery, which isn't good. Oh, it's yeah. That's a good point. It's, it's just kind of all, like, cut up. It might be That's what I mean. It's very it's sharp. Okay. Everything's very sharp on his features. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, interesting. I thought, oh, for sure, Lex is going to think he's cute. No. <laughs> he's got all his going ring. He's just, like, thin. Yeah. I like the thinness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want a little meat. Yeah, you want a little meat on their bones. <laughs> I don't know something about him. Yeah, like the one he's talking to is more attractive to me. Even really, that guy. short little pudgy guy. guy? <laughs> I do. I like him a little fluffy. Okay, <laughs> fluffy. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I agree. My husband tried to. He, he tried to lose a bunch of weight, and I said, "No, don't do it. Go back." <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Don't be healthy. You gotta. It's all for looks, honey. Well, like, don't. it starts to take their face. I mean, it does. I, I agree. I don't like that look. Yeah, I like the dad bod for sure. That's what they're calling it, but I do like that. I'm I'm more into that than. than yeah, the I mean, I'm. Super mean. Yeah, I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want Lane to be super lean, but I don't want him to have you know a big belly either. You know what I mean? Like big pooch. Yeah, yeah. He's not <laughs> just fluffy. He's not just fluffy. Just, just yeah. I don't want him too skinny. Yeah. Yeah. He was going. He's taking it too far. His workout diet. He's taking it too far. Oh really? How much has he lost? Well, this was like a year. Ago, oh okay. He's down to like one sixty or one. Oh my gosh. Like he's six foot, and I'm like. Wow. Yeah, that's oh Lane got down to like one one seventy five, I think, and I was like, "Dude, you're too skinny," you know, because he's 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 yeah. a little over six foot, and I was like, "Oh no, that's too skinny." Like you yeah. can you can add muscle, you know, but don't lose any more weight. Weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I agree. So, Lex, are you saying the guy with the striped tie you like, or the other guy? Um, honestly, either is preferable oh. to the, to Tolst. Yeah. Okay. There is one character in here, um, in the script that they cut out completely. Lavov, L-V-O-V, I think it was. 
And um, they cut his, I mean, they had a character name and he was in the script and then they just like X'd him all out. <laughs> he was like completely yeah, I out. I on IMDb, he was listed too. I yeah. Think. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't really remember this character. Yeah, it's because they didn't, they didn't show him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? Cut him out. And I think also we'll talk about this when we get there, but uh, Francine or Martha must have been missing for some of the scenes because they brought in this other woman and she was saying Francine's parts. And it's like, wait, what? And you're like, you're just a Francine fill-in. What are you doing, you know? So Martha must not have been available or something. So Tolst is very cocky. He is very full of himself and feels that his scheme is going to work. And they should not not question him. They do not tell him what to do, that sort of thing. So just really ballsy. And uh, they're telling him, hey, the driver's dead. You know, Zamed's a, a kind of a loose cannon. You don't know what's going to happen with him. Like, you need to just, like, forget about this. And he's like, no one ever tells me when my operations are working. Believe me, we don't have a thing to worry about. And he's like, I'm doing it. <laughs> like, shut up. He gives him that very snide little smirk. Now, the establishing shot of the hospital is what the same hospital they used in Odds on a Dead Pigeon when kate had the dual role yeah you did that one too you're just batting a thousand over there miss you got two you're two for two you are (laughs) this is probably if we compared this shot it's probably the exact shot they use like the whole video i bet you it's the same car sitting there the same woman walking up it's probably the just the establishing shot it's the same exact thing so there's a TV there and they're showing Maverick, which I never watched that. Um, it's a little before my time, I think. Um, did you watch that? I'm sure it's before no. your time too, but. <laughs> I wasn't into Westerns. Yeah, me either. And my mom wasn't either. And my dad, I don't know if my dad was. My dad would was one of those guys that would have a TV on watching something, have a radio going with a baseball game, and then be reading a book all at the same time. Oh my God, that's me. My Lane's the same way. I I don't, not with him. um, He has a baseball game going on his laptop. Then he's got a poker game that he's playing in. And then he's got some show that he's watching on his, on his laptop, listening to it on his headphones. But then he's got something else on the TV, on the main TV. I'm like, dude. Mm-hmm. commit yeah, I, like to, I like to have a book that i flip between and then a game that i'm playing oh and then yes and he has a game too oh my yeah. gosh yeah wow yeah i i i do too i have to have something i'm doing plus mm-hmm. the tv but i can't do all those things you know that's a lot yeah i'm trying not to multitask anymore really um, how's that going for you <laughs> because Yeah. Uh, you do it for pleasure, I guess, like we are, but I do it too much. I'm on the phone while I'm trying to work, while I'm trying to take care of a kid, while I'm trying oh, yeah. to make lunch. Yep. And it just sucks the life out of you. It, yeah. It so really does. But I, there's no alternative though, Jen. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything done. I can't get stuff enough done right now as I multitask, you know? I know, but I do find that I'm calmer and I enjoy when I'm doing more, if I when you're focused, yeah, you know, I always feel, I feel like I'm like last night I went and took a bath because I'm like, okay, I need to watch the episode for tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? For today. So I'm like, I'll take a bath and soak 
and I'll watch the episode. That way I'm getting something done. Like I feel for some reason, I feel I have to be productive at every moment of my entire life. And it's like, God, I need to stop that. You have to stop that. Yes, you do. Yeah. If you're doing it for that reason, like you're not just watching the episode because you want to watch it, then for sure. Which yeah. obviously you weren't. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta like have some time that you're doing things that just because you want to, not because it's something that's on your list. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm driven by my list right now. Cause I have so many things going on, you know? Yeah. It's a tricky time for your life. Yeah. Like when you get out of it, you gotta get back. Yeah. To it. I really gotta focus on that and just in doing stuff I enjoy, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. why I got into that's that more why. creative stuff tonight. Cause I was like, Oh, that'll be fun. I have to do it, but it'd be fun. I like, that's a nice little outlet for me. Yeah. That's why I, I, I just work out doing Zumba. Yeah. Because when I'm dancing and doing aerobics, like, I have to think about the choreography and I can't think about anything else. So it's just oh. it's my, wipes my brain of everything. Yeah. Maybe and I should do Tai Bo again. I, I feel, like, invigorated. <laughs> yeah. And I have energy to tackle everything again because my brain kind of just maybe that's Maybe that's and what I should do. It's a great break between work and my evening. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I circle it back and have to work a little bit more. On the yeah. Day, but I work until four and then I work out and enjoy that. And then it's sort of a break. And then I can go have dinner with my family and. And enjoy that time. Work, yeah. Not take work into all of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Especially when we're telecommuting or teleworking. God, I know. There's you just know, a, just there's no line. Yeah. There's no line anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's Make awful. some lines, Taya. I know. Lines. I really need to. Ugh. We find Zamed. He's in the hospital. Uh, he's recovering from his car accident uh, that apparently he helped create uh, by his annoying habit. Uh, but he's watching Maverick, and apparently he's really into Maverick. He knows. He, he I I get the sense that that's how he learned about Americans is through watching this this uh, western. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of funny. Big surprise. That's not how people are in post most areas of the, of the u.s but and he's consuming would you say consuming that phone book like he's just <laughs> zipping through and i've seen lexi read and this this guy's reading faster than she reads so i mean that's saying a lot i, I mean i could probably find the name and memorize everything about that name like that person in the same time but he he scanned it and and knows it all of brain. that and knows all of that yeah that's insane Sometimes I think, oh, it would be so awesome to have a photographic memory. And then I thought, oh, no, I bet you it wouldn't. I bet you it's draining. Yeah, I bet it comes with like, yeah, and like then your brain is just, you're always thinking about all these other yeah. things. I have enough time trying to forget things that I that just make me cringe. Like, <laughs> have a photographic memory on top of it, that would be my that, just nightmare. And then there's those people, there's those people that could tell you, you go, um, June 16th of 1976, and they'll go, oh, well, it was raining that day and uh, mm-hmm. so-and-so was wearing this. And you're like, how do you remember this stuff, yes. you know? And they right. just, they just know. It's insane. And then I'm here, I'm sitting here going, I don't remember that. And somebody going, no, we talked about this, you know, mm-hmm. six months ago. And I'm like, I don't even remember. And then they start filling in things. And I'm like, yeah, still don't. And then after a while, that and I'm like, like, that sounds familiar. Say. Okay, that <laughs> sounds familiar. And I'm thinking, how am I losing? Am I like going into early Alzheimer's, you know, like what's going on, you know, cause you're just, it's the multitasking. I'm telling <gasps> you. Oh, no! It's full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, maybe, maybe I need to detox from multitasking. Just try 
see what it does for you because I'll I'll yeah. give it a try. I I don't know when I can though. Uh, it's crazy, Mindless. crazy like, right now. About what you're doing in the moment. And yeah. And that's when I talk about things, it's because my I'm thinking of what I have to do over here instead of focusing on what I'm doing. So like Lexi has to always fill in words for me while I'm talking because I'm thinking about three other things that I'm supposed to be doing at the time. You know, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Just ask her. She knows. <laughs> she has and to fill in. Baseball, the coach would tell you, make the play first, then throw to first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the ball, then throw. Right now, it's it's a tricky time, like more than more than probably any in recent time or potentially ever. Ever, yeah. The expectations you have of, of your job, plus your other job, plus your other personal jobs that yeah. you have, too. Yeah. There's a lot going on. So this probably isn't the best time to do it, but it's probably not the best time to do yeah. it. Lexi's like, you're not going to get anything done, and that's going to be a Well, I, we told you we're, we're getting bought, right, Jen? Yeah, yeah, so it's so just, hard. it's all the due diligence. It's all landing on me. Like a good 70% of the due diligence stuff is HR related. So it's like lands on me. So it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. yeah Anyways. Yeah. It's, it's probably not the best time, but I do want to get where I'm focusing more on what I'm doing and living in the moment instead of multitasking all the time. So I really got to do that. But anyways, let's get back to this. We won't multitask and, uh, and talk about my life and how much I need to change. But Zemed circles the State Department phone number uh, in the phone book. And then Amanda comes in and he he puts away the book. And she's like, Mr. Stringle. And he's like, and he looks at her and he's kind of like caught off guard. And she's like, Mr. Stringle? He goes, I am Eric Strangle of Hel- Helsinki, <laughs> Finland. And she's like, yeah, okay, buddy. You can see the look on her face like, yeah, okay. But she's, uh, you know, kind of like a ladies auxiliary person that comes in and she's, you know, and they actually do have people that do this when uh, my son's been in the hospital, the ladies auxiliary always comes in and brings them a big blanket that they've made and stuff like that. It's very sweet. So it's oh, it's nice that they do that. Yeah. It's, you know, at the children's hospital. Um, but no, what? You didn't get anything. Aw, but you're not bitter. That's the important thing, Jen. <laughs> Probably, yeah, yeah. That that that's probably cancels everything out. All this damn COVID stuff. But um, so Amanda's in her cute little pinstripe little uh, apron thing. It's super cute, and um, and she gives him some flowers, and then she's just telling him if you need anything, um, stationery, magazines, books, anything like that, I'm the one to see. And uh, and then she she says uh, he goes, I'll take a candy bar. She's like, oh sure, and she gives him two. <laughs> So he seems so sweet, though. He's very sweet, and it just seems like a gentle soul. Yeah. He, you know what, this is going to be a little controversial. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Mr. Brand, a little bit. Like, just... Yeah, I can see that. Like, a little bit, even the face, but, like, the way that he acts and approaches things and, like, the quirkiness and the relationship that he has with Amanda that he's drawn to her because she's just such, like, a warm person who, like, really listens. Mm -hmm. It gives me a lot of Mr. Brand, but I'm missing... I'm missing the quirkiness of Mr. Brand. Okay. He's not quite at that level. I see your Mr. Brand and I raise you. Uh Uh-huh. Bela. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yes. No, no. That's what I thought you were going to say when you said it's controversial because he does remind, 
I know she does. That's why I thought she was going to be controversial, but she really in wasn't. In my head, before I said Mr. Banner, I'm like, there's no way I would ever say Bela because he's he's not. Bela is a creep. Bela's See, I think creep. you're I think you're painting him with a very broad stroke, I hate and Bela. I the, I the, know the you more do. Time goes on, the more I Oh my goodness! The first, their first kiss, and that's you hate that episode. I, I, he really bothers me as a character. He really. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I could see similarities with I, and I agree. There's some similarities with Bran, but I also do see similarities with Bela as well. Hmm. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I know you don't I like him, but I'm just saying. Reaction. There's a yeah. reason why I said Mr. Brand is better, and I do stand by that, <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, no. We'll agree to I disagree, but no. That little schmuck. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. All right, we're not going to get involved. Uh, next thing we'll be talking about, you know who. Dark. Uh, I know. <laughs> when, you know what? When we were talking about the other guy with the brown hair, I'm like, well, I'm into Dirk, too. And I was like, he kind of looks like Dirk, but I wasn't even going to go there. But, uh, <laughs> but now, yeah. since we have... We've mentioned his name. This is, I guess this episode is just like a copycat of other things that, that I've already heard. And they're just like, what, what other elements can we combine? To <laughs> yeah, probably. So Amanda's now throwing in her uh, class C interrogation here. You know, the warm hand holding. She's being very personal. Like, to me, a class C interrogation should just be called Amanda King. I mean, it's just everything that she is. You know, it just, it fits her to a T. And yeah. it's like she was made for it, you know. So she she is talking with him, and you wouldn't know she's pulling information, but she's totally pulling information from him, and he doesn't realize it. And she's like, you know, I'm sorry about your accident, but I heard you're you know you're going to be able to go home soon. And uh, and he's like, thank you, everyone's been so nice. And she goes, well, that's good. She goes, you know, I was in Finland in '83. <laughs> I certainly enjoyed the Savalina Music Festival. And he goes, oh, I'm not really much of a supporter of our local folk music. And she's like, <laughs> I pref-, he goes, I prefer the classical pieces. And, and then she calls him on it, which if you go back three years, right, from this, she would have been the one that gets caught into this type of thing. You know, kind of think of service above and beyond with, uh, you know, the skiing and gestad, you know, that type of thing. Um, she would have been caught. Now she's the one who's kind of turned the tables and now she's doing it. It's kind of cute. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You really see her, um, like m- maturity. In yes. Aging, mm-hmm. Especially in the early episodes of season four. Mm-hmm. She's given so much, um, like leeway to do yeah. her own thing. Mm-hmm. And even like with Eamon coming up like that. Yes. Like, yes. Like, yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but like. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, yeah. She's, she's, when you're talking like. This shouldn't be called Class C because Amanda, yeah. you know, it's her. It's totally true. She's her own category, which is, I think, even what Lee says. Mm-hmm. That she's, it's like the Amanda King experience. Just go along for the ride and everything. Oh, I love it. Fine. Amanda it's King experience. <laughs> it's a <laughs> new ride. <laughs> new ride at, at uh, Hollywood Adventures. Oh, the Amanda oh, King oh, experience. Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean it that way. You dirty bird. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So first off, uh, I have it paused, but she looks so freaking cute. Look how cute she looks right there. She looks cute. Yeah. Very pretty. So 
anyway, she catches him and she's like, oh, well, then you should enjoy the Salvalina. You know, it, it includes opera and it features opera. And he's like, of course. And she goes, oh, you know, she doesn't want him to feel like he's put being put on the spot. So she's like, you know, I, I'm sure you have a lot on your mind with the accident and all. And you're, you know, sorry about your friend kind of thing. And then he tells her he he didn't really know uh, the guy uh, very well. And uh, that the the um, the tour group put put in Helsinki put them together, <laughs> and he's like, uh, the um, at the embassy, and he goes, uh, the Finnish one, and she goes, right, and he goes, my language is not good, and she's like, oh, it's better. This is what I always say to 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 people when they they're like, oh, my English isn't very good, and I'm like way better than my you know whatever german or spanish or whatever it might yeah. be you know and that's what she says she's like oh was, uh, your english is just terrific it's a lot better than my finnish <laughs> and then she goes you have an unusual accent and then he's like uh i'm from the north <laughs> and he's like uh and she kind of just looks at him he goes north finland he goes almost lapland i'm a i'm really a lap <laughs> She goes, oh, that's funny. I was told you're from Helsinki. He goes, now. <laughs> she, she's like, oh, okay. Her, I can see Russia from my house. No, I was there. You just see it across the water. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I went to Finland for, Jim went for his work and I tagged along. Oh, that's fun. I've never been there. Yeah, you just, you can just take a ferry over to actually wow so it is, it's kind of believable that he could be russian and living in finland or yeah just finish with a russian accent with a russian accent yeah <laughs> if only he would have sold it just a little bit better yeah exactly. <laughs> just That's a little bit <laughs> just a little bit and then uh so then they get distracted by uh the show on tv maverick and and he's like that's maverick all right <laughs> Why'd you do it, Red? Sometimes a fella just has to go for it. And then he says it in, in, in you know, his uh, broken English. It's really cute. He's like, it's such an American thing to say. <laughs> I always wonder what people think of Americans. Not right now. I don't want to know what they think of us right now, but the last few years. But, you know, overall. Yeah. He's like, I've learned so much from Bart and Brett and Brent. And then Amanda says, and... Uh, don't forget Beauregard, their English cousin. And he's like, what? <laughs> she goes, oh, yeah, there's a fourth Maverick. And he's like, Beauregard? He goes, that's great. This is why he reminds me of Bela here. He goes, that little bit of trivia will keep me in beer all winter. <laughs> wow, how sad must that be? If that's <laughs> and then he goes, in Helsinki. And she goes, yes. <laughs> I love that. She's like, yeah, I'm not buying what you're putting down there, buddy. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, and then we see the Russian guy that we saw at the embassy. Uh, he, he, the, the striped tie guy. He's uh, coming in and coming to see our friend uh, and uh, just goes right in there and grabs the, the doctor's charts and finds uh, where... Um, I almost said Bela. He finds where Zemed is, uh, what room Zemed's in, and then heads over that way. So he pretends that he's from the hospital as he comes in. But this is really interesting. So Amanda's, we, we come back to Amanda and Zemed, and Amanda's showing a picture of the boys. And 
she's reading off, you know, she's memorized the script, right? But then they superimpose a picture of the boys that is complete opposite of what she described, you know? She's like, the one on the right with the big glasses is Philip, which, first off, Philip doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> Jamie does. Unless he was wearing sunglasses, perhaps. And then uh, you look at the picture. <laughs> it's a cute picture of, of Joe and the boys. Super cute. Really cute it's super cute. And he looks really kind of muscular there. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's Jamie obviously has the glasses. And Philip's on the right. <laughs> and Jamie's on the left. Without the glasses. Without the glasses. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny. Obviously, they just superimposed it and all that but it's kind of funny that yeah. that it's completely it's like it makes it seem like amanda doesn't know who her children are mm -hmm. <laughs> but in the script though it does say a little something different so zamed says that that little bit of trivia with beauregard maverick um we'll keep mm -hmm. him beer you know uh all winter and he goes in helsinki childlike he goes tell me amanda have you ever been to california where they make movies and amanda says a couple of summers ago i took my family out to los angeles and then zamed leans in wide-eyed and then they cut to that guy coming up but then amanda's sitting on the side of the bed and showing zamed a picture of the boys she took from her wallet it's apparent that zamed has warmed up to amanda she says my mother took this the day we got home the little guy with the t-shirt Sorry, the little guy with a big T-shirt is Jamie. The one clowning around is his older brother, Philip. They had a ball. They even got Eric Estrada's autograph. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Then it says an amateurish snapshot of Jamie holding a California T-shirt and Philip with luggage by Amanda's old station wagon. Camera simulates Zamed's game uh, gaze as it pu pushes in on the fuzzy but le legible address numbers 4247 on the lamppost in the background corner of the photo. And then they resume. Zamed says, very handsome boys. And Amanda says, like their dad. How about you? Do you have children? He says, no, but when I do get married, I hope to, I have strong, handsome boys just like yours. So slightly That's different. Sweet. I like the dialogue, but I like the picture that they chose better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, it also explains the address because. Yeah. Zamed talks about, he saw the address on the, or she talks about how he saw the address on the photo, but it's not on the photo in, in the actual episode mm -hmm. it's apple white's pharmacy right on the back. yep exactly that makes a lot more sense yep. i was wondering about that <laughs> yeah and then yeah because i mean when he looks up the phone number he looks up her address rather he doesn't really know it's her it just says a king it doesn't say amanda king you know mm -hmm. right so kind of interesting anyways um so yeah he does in the episode he does see that uh, on the back, it says Arlington um, and Applewhite's Pharmacy. So he knows that she probably lives, makes the assumption she she probably lives in Arlington, Virginia. So then Sasha, the Russian guy, comes in and pretends to be uh, from the hospital. And then Amanda excuses herself, but she pulls her cart right next to the door and then pulls out a little recording device and puts it right there so it can record them. And, but she definitely heard them speaking Russian. And he tells him, as the other, as Dimitri told him, uh, you know, always speak English. So then Amanda goes out and makes a phone call. And then that guy comes right by her. So Amanda calls from the hospital. 
And as she's on the phone waiting, Sasha walks by, smiles at her, and then and then takes off. And then we jump to a very heated discussion in Billy Melrose's office between Lee and Ephraim Beeman, which it's so funny. Ephraim looks so much like bulkier here than he did in the very first episode in Tale of the Dancing Weasel. He was like so like young and like scrawny looking. He actually looks like he's put on a few pounds and he looks a little more healthy to me. He's still young. Don't get me wrong. But if you, if you put them side by side, you would just be like, holy crap, the difference between when he first started and now. You know, yeah, you have to look. Yeah, because he still. I was thinking he still looks pretty thin right now. Like, like oh, I'm not saying he's fat. When he's standing next to Lee, I'm like, wow, there's just no comparison. Lee, (laughs) you know, like, and I know, I know Joseph, the actor. He's like such a nice guy. Oh, he is. How rude to make them stand next to (laughs) each other. I'm not saying he's fat by any means. I'm just saying he looks. He's just. Um, he. Hold on. I'm gonna. Let me see if I can. Hold on. I'm going to see if I can find it for you guys really quick. Hold on. Maybe somebody told him he, he was too scrawny and he bulked up. Yeah, I'm just, I, I can see there's a, a definite difference from uh, Tale of the Dancing Weasel, you know, from when he first started. It's just so funny. He knew he'd have to stand next to Lee, so he decided to yeah. try to bulk up a little. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> can you guys see it on my phone? Yes. Do you see what I'm talking about? Like his hair is like so much shorter and he just I looks... like his hair. You know how I like long hair, but I actually like it in that episode better than this one. It's just, he just looks so much, his face is very much, is really thin compared to how it is now. Not that he's fat in here at all, because he's not, he's a thin guy, but I just, he looks so like, he looks 10 years younger to me than, than, uh, he does in this cur- wow. current episode hmm. to me. It's my opinion. So obviously they're having a very heated conversation and Beeman is ticked off. He says, kind of look like that guy grabbed her ass. He goes, she issued a flash priority alert to order three surveillance teams. Mrs. King is a freshman agent and, and Lee's just sitting there huffing and puffing. He goes, I don't care if she followed the patient or not. <laughs> Since I've been supervisor, not one freshman agent has ever issued a flash priority most of them don't know it exists. <laughs> he goes, Lee goes, oh, come on, Beeman. <laughs> he goes, uh, Amanda King's got more experience in the field than half the, the agents in the. Well, I love that he's defending her in the scene. It's very cute. Oh, it's great. And I love that she's calling a flash priority. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's, Lee's uh, jaw is like uh, all twitchy and everything. He's just like, just letting the guy go off. He goes, oh, come on. Amanda King has more experience then half the operatives in the agency, she knows what she's doing. Now, he goes, now, do we send it? Send it? He goes, yeah, we sent it. <laughs> she said they were speaking Russian. <laughs> he goes, Russian? She's had she's had some training, but she's not fluent. <laughs> Lee's like, she's heard enough of it in the field to, from the bad guys. <laughs> he goes, she's not one of those, one of your kids. Which is true. Yeah. Not a kid. He goes, I do give her quite a bit of slack. It's difficult for me with the with the others if she takes too much. And then, I love it, Billy's just sitting there kind of smiling like, I think he probably is like thinking, 
oh, how the tables have turned. Lee's like, you know, backing up Amanda. Usually he's the one who's the one bitching about her taking too much leeway, you know. Uh, but then uh, Billy gets a call and he goes, I'll send Scarecrow out immediately. And you can see Lee's like tightening up his tie like, OK, I'm ready to go. What did she stumble upon now? <laughs> and uh, Billy says this time her instincts were right on target. Well, as if there were any doubt. He, knows. <laughs> he goes, Strangle is very popular. We're watching. So is the KGB. Go figure. He goes, yeah, well, face it, Beeman. Now and then you've got to bend the rules to get the job done. And he goes, in your case, quite a bit more now than then. And Billy gets mad. He goes, may I have my office back, please? (laughs) I like that the flash priority is an actual government priority. Yeah. I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah. So I like like that they use that. Yeah, I love it when they intersperse all that. Authentic. Yeah. I love it. Lee comes in. You know, it's really funny. It's like, you know, when you have, when someone's yelling at somebody you love, you're like, you stick up for them. But when you see that person, you're like, what were you thinking? You know, kind of thing. That's what he's kind of doing because he comes right up to her and he's like, the first thing he says is nice going. This is the first classy interrogation in history to turn into a full scramble. She's like, well, don't thank me. Thank the Russians. Like, she's like, I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Right. I think he's just joking around. Like, I, I know. I'm just saying it's like he's it, he wouldn't do that in front of Beeman, but he's OK with doing it to her himself, you know, like giving her a hard yeah. time a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I love this. It does really show how much she's come, you know, into herself with this uh she's like the guy at the bar in the gray suits kgb and then lee kind of takes a look and he's like yeah he goes he's just one of their monkeys posing as an embassy chauffeur where's our friend from finland she goes in the restroom been in there a couple minutes now in the script i remember she said she was being so like particular she's like he's been in the restroom for two minutes and 45 seconds <laughs> like she's timing the guy of how long it takes him to pee <laughs> it's kind of funny but she then she goes on she's like the kitchen's covered kitchen's covered and then we see what we can assume is the back of the restaurant and there's somebody coming to unload uh produce but then we also see an agent out there and he's calling in and saying that there's two men in there, two men, delivery men out back. So kind of just checking in with them. And then we see Zamed. Now he, oh, I just noticed that. Okay. He's looking through the phone book for Amanda's address and he finds Amanda in there and he memorizes it. But then just as, as he's looking, the one of the delivery guys comes in, takes off his jacket and his hat. So that's how he's able to then take that. And then the guy didn't know it was him because he just looks pretty much like him. Yeah. And that's how he sneaks out. I don't know why he doesn't go farther than the truck, though. He just, he gets in. Yeah. He goes like 50 feet and then he hops back out and runs off. Well, because he doesn't know where he's going to end up and he wants to go to Amanda's house, you know, and hide there. Yeah, he's just not in the truck very long. No, but you're right. He just needed to get get past them. So, he, yeah, he just jumps right out, doesn't he? Well, because we need to see it, you know. Yeah. So he gets gets out of there and sneaks past the Russian at the at the bar. And uh, Lee and Amanda are like waiting to see what happens when the Russian guy comes out. <laughs> it's so funny. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
And then he goes out and he goes, I think your tourist just took another vacation. <laughs> and I like it. He grabs her hand. Jessup. This is Jessup, the guy on the left. He said, I missed him in back. Team one thinks he went toward the metro. That's what it says in the, in the script. I don't know if it says it here. Oh, yeah, it did. And then, so then Jessup says that team one missed him, or he missed him, and team one thinks he he went toward the metro. And then Lee tells him to put spotters at the next five stops uh, to see if they can catch him. But if the metros can go in multiple directions, so I don't know what they are, where, you know, it's not like it's one way. That metro's huge. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And Lee says, this guy is doing more than just checking out the sites. <laughs> She's like, how could we miss him? He goes, well, if it's any consolation, and grabs her hand. The KGB lost him, too. I do like how they hold hands a lot. That's so sweet. Yeah. Do you guys hold hands? I'm like, I hold hands with my husband, like, almost, like, anytime we're out. I don't love it. No? Not, not, a, not a thing for you? Too. Yeah? Okay. We hold hands pretty often. We even hold hands. Sometimes we'll hold hands just laying in bed, just watching TV or something. We'll just hold hands. That's super cute. We do that on the couch. Yeah. Well, he sits next to me. We'll touch feet when when we're just sitting by each other. Mm -hmm. Because we're not close enough to hold hands, but our feet can touch, you know. That's cute. Yeah. Just, you know, a little something. Even even after almost 30 years of marriage, you got to keep things spiced up a little bit. Yeah. It's sweet. But we do hold hands. We do hold hands. And when we first started dating, he was not into public displays of affection at all. He was mm-hmm. like, it was, uh, but I mean, God, he was 19. I was 17. So, I mean, it wasn't like he lived a whole long life. But, um, yeah, he was not into it. And then he had to get more comfortable about it. And now he's fine with it, you know. But back then, it, it was he was really, uh, you know, didn't. Because his parents never, literally, I don't think he ever saw his parents kiss ever. I've seen his dad. I saw his dad one time. His dad's gone now, but I saw his dad put his arm around his wife once. And my mother-in-law looked at him like he had three heads. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) It's just not their thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I grew up that way. My mom and dad always like would goose each other or, you know, like kiss. Oh my God. When they kiss, we would be like, oh, that's so gross. You know, we get so grossed out. So now I'll, 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 do that to my boys just to gross them out every once in a while. Show them who's boss. <laughs> Who pays the bills around the house, you know? Right. You just live here for free. Yeah, we get exactly. to do what we want. Yeah. That's cute. This is where the script gets a little wonky where I was like, what the heck? So this is now Amanda's come home and Dottie yells to Amanda off screen. We see uh, Amanda, I'm in here. And then she comes in. She's like, hi, mother. And she goes, I didn't expect to find you home. She goes, I know, but I got too involved with my ATC introduction. She goes, I pushed ground school back an hour with Captain Kirk. She goes, she goes, ground control, ground school, Captain Kirk. She goes, that's a Cessna 172. It's a single engine over instead of under wing, fixed landing gear, 13,000 foot ceiling. And Amanda's just looking at her. She goes, but it's going to be weeks before I get up there. She goes, I'll clean this all up when I get home, but I'm in a hurry. And she goes, mother, what are you talking about? Flight school? <laughs> She's like, it won't be long. In 16 weeks, I'll be soaring with the eagles. And Captain Kurt, who's my instructor, 53, 6'2", a real buff hunk. <laughs> she goes, this is my mother who gets a rash on the key bridge. She goes, I know, but there's something about the wild blue. That is so, and then Amanda says, invigorating. She goes, yes. She goes, I aim to conquer it. I just aim to conquer it. <laughs> 
And she goes, Amanda goes, you aim to conquer Captain Kurt. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> I know she doesn't. She just learned how to drive a few years ago. My goodness, that's a big jump to be, you know, in her fifties, and she doesn't didn't even drive at that point. But then Amanda sees somebody uh, up in the treehouse, and and she says, uh, "Who's up there?" And Dottie says that she goes, "That's little Bobby Kenwood. He's he's, <laughs> I love it. He's like uh, he's pushing the the limits of." of uh squatters rights she says the boys always have to chase him out of there and send him home so cute he is testing the laws pertaining to squatters rights he goes up there every afternoon the boys chase him away she goes he's too little to do that i'm gonna tell him to get down and then daddy goes right okay so this is where the script gets a little funky guys (laughs) which it doesn't it, it they use it later but they don't use part of it which didn't make sense to me So this is interior King House foyer. As Amanda enters the foyer, she has to push because the doorway is partially blocked with large shipping boxes, parentheses, bunk beds. Amanda has some difficulty getting through and she makes her way to the kitchen. Mother, I thought you weren't going to be home. And then Amanda enters, looks curiously to Dottie, Dressed to go out, seated at the table with a bewildering array of papers, charts, cassettes, blind binders, etc. Dottie, distracted. I know, but I got so wrapped up in my ATC introduction, I pushed ground school back an hour. Captain Kurt made an exception. And Amanda says, what is an ATC, a ground, a, a ground school or a Captain Kurt? Dottie begins to pick up her paperwork. Dottie says, and don't worry about the beds. I gave them... I gave the men $10 to come back tonight and put them together. Amanda picks up a booklet from the table featuring illustrations of an airplane. She says, this is a Piper Cub. And Dottie says, Cessna 190 to be exact. Single engine, over instead of underwing, fixed landing gear, 16,000 feet ceiling. Not 13,000 like in the episode. But I won't get up there for weeks. I'll clean all this up before, uh, clean this up later, darling. But I'm late, so bye. Stands with books. And Amanda says, hold it right there. You're not weaseling out of, of here before you explain this. And Daddy says, flight school, Amanda. 16 weeks and I'll be soaring with the eagles. And Captain Kurt is my instructor. 53, 6'2", a real buff hunk. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny though? It's like they don't even mention the bunk beds ever again in the episode or anything else for that matter. Anywhere. Yeah. And then that'll play in a little bit later um, about the ATC stuff we'll get into here shortly. But this is um, the first time we actually get to see Amanda's backyard. You know, we always just get to see the little areas where... Uh, they want us to see, right? Uh, but this is supposedly her backyard. This is obviously on the lot, uh, on the um, uh, Warner Brothers lot, but with all the trees and the weeping willows and everything. Uh, and there's a tree house up there. And Amanda comes over there and she's like, Bobby, it's too high up for you up there. And then she's like, all right, whoever you are, you better show your face or I'm calling the police. And then Zemed comes out and she's like, Mr. Strangle. <laughs> He goes, no, it's Mr. Dorloff. And she's like, huh? He goes, Zemed Dorloff of the USSR. I want to defect. And she's like, oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) He does have pretty eyes when they got up close. He's got real pretty eyes. Speaking of pretty eyes, 
Then we see somebody knocking, somebody handsome knocking at their front door. And it's uh, Mr. Stetson, which he rarely comes to the front door. This is first few times here. Because you know all four of the Mavericks, he says. She goes, I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> she goes, how did he find you? She goes, he saw the address on the back of Philip and J- a picture of Philip and Jamie that I showed him. He memorizes numbers or something. I don't know. Harvard, he goes, hardly your average Russian sailor jumping ship. And he goes, did he say why he was recruited by the K- KGB? And she said, no, he just said he was running from them. He was afraid. He still thinks I work at the hospital. And I told him you were State Department. And then he kind of like fixes himself up. He's like, State Department, hmm? <laughs> she goes, he re- he said he was reported uh, recruited by a man named Tulse. He goes, Alexis Tulse? She goes, I don't know. He goes, he's a very big fish in the KGB's considerable pond. A legend, really. Nobody in the West has ever seen him. They say he's a major, their major domo of dirty tricks. This could be a very big deal. And like, good job <laughs> to her. He goes, where's, where's your man? She goes, up there. <laughs> and he's like, uh. She goes, hey. <laughs> she should have really followed him up the ladder. I mean, because last time she got to touch his butt. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I think she gets to touch it in the last Oh, but um, boom. Damn. <laughs> all the more if she's experienced it like that, you'd think all the more reason she'd want to touch it more. That's <laughs> yeah, true. But, but, but now when they're working, or she's very Oh, that's right. Work now because she has right. you know, non-work time with him. <laughs> no wonder he says he doesn't have enough time with her. Right. <laughs> okay, so then Leaf gets up there and... He's like, uh, obviously, Zamed's very frightened. I mean, he looks like a little child in there. And do you guys notice who else is in there with him? Did you guys pick up on who else is in there with him? No. Cookie Monster. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> Not only is he in there, but Lee sits on Cookie Monster. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, hey, that's Cookie Monster. Oh, I love cookies. Love em. I love them, love them, love them. Cookie is good for me. You're welcome. That was free, ladies. A free, a free soundbite of Cookie Monster for you. Did you practice that? No, no. I would have done better if I would have practiced. C is for Cookie. It's good enough for me. Was that better? That's good. Okay. So uh, Lee gets up there and he's like, "Hi." He goes, "Hello." He goes, "I'm sorry." Sorry for this inconvenience, but I'm told the KGB is everywhere. He goes, yeah, well, take my word for it. They're not in the backyard. He goes, you can help me defect. He goes, yeah, I'll try. But it sounds as easy. It's not as easy as it sounds, you know. And then he sits down on poor Cookie Monster. He goes, it really depends, you know. He goes, I, for years, I've dreamed of coming to America. This dream, this is a dream come true. If it is necessary for me to go to jail, this is okay. He goes, no, 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 you don't, you don't go to jail for defecting. But you do have to have political reasons for defection. Now, why don't you tell me why, how you got here and why? And he goes, about two months ago, they came to his village and they took him uh, and told him they had a job for him to do for his country. And he's like, why? And he goes, I think it has to do with my gift. And he's like, your gift? He goes, in my district, they call me the human computer. I don't know what he actually says in Russian, but he says the human computer. And he's like, I am able to compute and analyze information spontaneously, immediately. I am amazing. (laughs) He goes, oh, he goes, I can prove it. 
right? I know. I am amazing. I like like he's been told I'm amazing. <laughs> um and uh he's like I'll prove it. I was able to remember all the names and addresses uh in the phone book uh of all of Amanda's neighbors um uh, because he saw them as he scanned them. And he's like next door is the Eber Eber or something. I don't think it was Eberhardt's but Okay, but I find it hard to believe that he scanned the whole phone book. I know, that's, that's what, what I was yeah, because he would have gone right to the kings. Yeah, he would have yeah, gone to the king. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Maybe. I can prove it to you. When I found Amanda's address in the book, I was able to remember the names and addresses of all her neighbors because I saw them as I scanned. Next door, the Eberhards. Two doors down, 4241. Next to, okay, 4241. Next to the Mayhabs. Okay, okay, you're good with facts and figures, he says. Why should I believe all of this anyways? Because I'm telling you the truth. And Lee's like, okay. He goes, I want to believe you. So first you tell me everything that you know about Alexis Tolst. Is he in the country now? And he says he must be. He was to contact me at my hotel. But this is all I know about Tolst or why I'm here. That's it? Nothing else? He goes, one more thing. I am killed if I make one mistake. Oh, no pressure. That's a pretty shot of the of the Washington Monument. Yeah. And then here's um, the paraplegic you were talking about, the guy that had polio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. I really like that. I thought that was kind of cool. That's something that they don't normally do, especially back then. You know, it's hard. Right. It's rare nowadays, even now, but um, especially back then, you know, that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. That's interesting that it's polio, though. He seems so young to have had mm-hmm. to got, have gotten that. Yeah, I, I think, um, like, going back to what you said, like, that it wasn't some sort of trope, uh, that it's not, you know, that he wasn't specifically disabled. He was just, like, a normal guy that works a normal government job, and it wasn't even really, like, acknowledged. I think that's, like, the coolest piece of it, that he was just a normal guy. He's gets around a little bit differently than, like, than someone else, than another person. Than somebody who doesn't have that, that, yeah. that issue. Yeah. No, it's very cool. And, again, I feel bad for the guys they have to stand next to him next to Bruce. It's like, it's just not fair. They shouldn't really put them in the same shot. They should only have individual pictures of people, you know, individual right. shots. <laughs> Cause he's like a good foot taller than him and <laughs> really good looking. I mean, he's just, really he's good ridiculously good looking, yeah. you know, but anyways, uh, so Danley uh, is his name. And uh, he is <laughs> kind of, he doesn't give, he doesn't give two shits, you know, he just doesn't, he's like, no, I'm not, you know, I can't help you. I'm not going to do all this work for you so that you can take all the glory kind of thing, which, you know, don't be such a hard ass, the poor guy, you know, if, and he, he did try and pull on his heartstrings and he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. He goes, you can get him for 72 hours and that's it. So, yeah. um, and they, they're just going to have him just to, to pull some information from him. So I do like, um. Lee's suit there. It's kind of cute. It's that navy and then it's got like a gray and navy stripe going through it. That's pretty. I like the suit. I don't love that contrasting collar that the shirt has. Like the white with the the um other but isn't it like a blue color of the shirt? I don't I don't like Oh, that. is it a blue color? Oh, it looks all looks white to me on here. But now that you say that it might be. Maybe it's not. I guess No, I don't think it is. It just looks like white. Going back and forth. Oh, okay. It looks white to me uh, all of it. But maybe. I can see where it might be. To me, it looked like it was a blue shirt with like a white collar. Yeah, I don't like those. I don't like those either. Yeah, I think it might be the lighting. Because it looks white here. But 
But then Lee's like, he's got a gift. He goes, a gift isn't enough. I wish Dorloff could dance like the dance the nutcracker, but he's not a persecute. He's not an intelligence asset. He's not even a refusenik. He's not even an M40. He's nobody. And for future reference, yanking at my heartstrings is not going to get you anything. Now I'll be damned if I'm going to put my butt in the sling so you can take all the glory. <laughs> Lee's like, geez. Lee's probably like, dude, I'm just trying to help this guy. My girlfriend's all about it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know what a refusenik is? No, I was hoping you would have looked it up, Jen. <laughs> I, just looked it up. I just looked it up because I was curious. But it was a real term used for individuals um, that were Soviet Jews who were denied permission to immigrate to Israel. Hmm. Um, by the authorities of the Soviet Union wow. and other countries of the Eastern Bloc. So the United States probably took them in instead. Wow. So if you're a few snake, you weren't allowed to immigrate anywhere else so that they could come to the United States. Wow. I've never heard that term before, though. Yeah. I, but it's a Russian, a Russian word. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a Russian word for sure. Thanks for looking it up. Yeah. I'm just going to use it in another context. I'm just... That might be a, a misappropriation, what? Jen. Oh, yeah, it is, because it's more, you're refusing to do something, you're accusing. Because <laughs> totally instead of Mother Russia, it's Mother Jen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. So now we're at Lee's apartment, and uh, it's kind of fun to have some different locations now you know in season four here um and it's not that horrible bachelor pad that they used to live in (laughs) and so now we have billy and francine and amanda there and billy's saying that they want zamed on a plane within 72 hours so so they have very little time uh and zamed's there too i'm sorry and billy's explaining that uh they want him on a plane within the state department wants him on a plane within 72 hours so they only have that little bit of time to debrief him and get all the information and he goes for what it's worth i managed to alter his police report stating that he was found with an illegal passport of his attempted uh deflection and he goes so no dices <laughs> she goes i'm sorry zamed he goes uh have, what they're saying is that they have these these talks in back in this time frame they had uh, Russia and the Americans were finally having kind of a de-escalation of things. And so they were having these talks. And so any type of defle- defections would have been kind of a rubbing the Russians nose in it, you know, so they wanted to keep, they don't want anything that's going to disrupt those talks, which makes sense. You get it politically, but at the same time, these are human beings, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like what's but they're saying they I think that they're worried. I would assume they're probably worried that if Russia gets wind of it, they might get upset and um, it might disrupt those conversations. Maybe is what I'm thinking. Yeah, you could just say it's red tape or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But poor Ms. Med, at least saying the State Department thinks your case isn't political. She goes, we're sorry, Med. Uh, and he goes, Russian commissar sent me here. American commissar sent me back. Who cares what I want? She goes, we do, but we can't make it happen by ourselves. He goes, I could return to, to the KGB to find Tulsa. And she's like, no, that's too dangerous. And then he says, my calculations tell me that I have a 98% chance of being killed. That's probably, I would be doing the math over and over again until that got a little lower, honestly. 
So he's saying, you know, the moment he touches Russia, he's going to be, they're going to kill him, you know, which is probably pretty accurate. He probably wouldn't even get that far. And then, oh, this was the saddest part. And he said, and then my parent, my family won't know about it until they get the bill for the bullets. That's horrible. That just, I mean, that's just gut me, just gutted me. And I was like, what? Because, you know, it's probably how it happens or happened back then. And uh, Lee's saying, you know, this could be a good chance to get a, a line on Tolst. You know, this is the one time. And Francine's like, are you sure you want to take someone you found in a treehouse? He goes, we don't have much options. And Amanda says, Med, what will happen to your family? He goes, if I were to become a citizen here, perhaps I could send for them. But if I go back, and then he swallows, he's like, please let me do this. I want to prove I can be a good American, but I cannot be sent back and forth across the ocean with no chance to help myself. And she's like, sir. And Billy's like, I could probably hang for it. I'll probably hang for this. But if you can bring us Tolst's head, the State Department would have to let you stay. He goes, let me do it, please. And Lee's like, mm, I want to get Tolst. <laughs> so now this is, they kind of cut away. And then later on, they're sitting there talking. And Lee's putting a nail in his, in, in uh, Zemed's shoe. So that way, when he goes to take, uh, if they give him a lie detector test, then he can push on it. And then he'll be able to concentrate on that and it'll throw off the, the results. And he, and he told him that's what I thought he said Tolst taught him, but that was, that's not right. It can't be. How does he not step on it just when he's walking? I know, right? (laughs) Be like, ow, 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 ow. Yeah, so he knows his story now. He's going to go back. He's going to just say he was pretending to be a tourist. And then Lee's explaining how to how to use the nail to to uh, counteract. He goes, Colonel Toast. Okay, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. I thought he hasn't met him yet. I I thought he hadn't met Tolst yet. Zemed? Yeah, up to this point. I thought he hadn't met him yet. Or maybe yeah, he, maybe he met him over in Russia, but he hasn't seen him here in the US and that's what I cuz he said Captain or he said Tolst showed him that same method that Lee showed him. So he must have met him yeah, when he was in Russia. Yeah, I think you're right though. It implies that he just meets him. Yeah. In the car when they grab him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Seems odd. Because he doesn't know what he looks like. Because doesn't Lee kind of grill him on that? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But he hands him a bunch of codes. Two pages full of codes. Like three columns each on each page. So six columns of codes. And she goes, now take all the time you need. By the time she finishes that statement, he's already finished. He's like, I'm good. And she's just like, damn. See, I don't understand this either because there's no key. It's just a bunch of mixed up letters. Like, what do they need? I know. I don't know why he needed to. And what do they need him to learn those for? I'm not sure. Oh, it might be. Oh, remember he he tries to give them a message. That's the code. Those are the codes, probably. Yeah, but but there was. You're right. There was no key. There should be a corresponding. Yeah, there wasn't. But I mean, at first I couldn't figure out why they were even having him memorize them. But now it makes sense. They want him to give him a code later to message them later. And that's what the, he would use. But yeah, you're right. They didn't show a, a key on there. So it doesn't really help much. I wonder if, uh, what is it? Small first. Whatever one she dug back. And oh, slim. Slim. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am not, nor have I ever been a spy. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah, that one's funny. 
So they're in a van and uh, Francine's saying the KGB's got, got that whole place, you know, wired to the gills. She's like, but I've got a frequency. I've, I've got a line on their frequency. So she'll be able to hear everything that they're saying. And Lee and Amanda are sitting there watching. Amanda's got the camera and, uh, she's, she's asking like, why, why didn't they just bring him into the embassy? And, and Lee's saying that maybe this is just the hotel might be just a temporary holding place for him right now. And then they've, they've got a line on him. They're watching him. And then Amanda starts taking pictures and then she sees, now we see Sasha come up and he's telling him that he's not going into the hotel and he shoves him into the backseat of the limo and then jumps in the front and Tulsa's is there with the, with a gun and says, you have 60 seconds to account for the last six hours. Okay. <laughs> he goes starting now and then pulls, pulls back the chamber. Okay. That's not frightening. <laughs> he's frightening. Yeah. Lee says, we better get on, let's, let's get going. So then Amanda and Lee are following after him and they have two others there. And now we're back at the Cumberland. I mean, the Russian embassy (laughs) and Sasha's, uh, there actually, I don't think that's Sasha. I think that's the other guy. They look so similar. Those two guys. It's weird that they would pick them, that they look so much alike. I'm not sure who that is. And he's saying, you're lucky he's giving you the second chance. And so he's in this room and then, then all of a sudden you hear Tulse speaking from the other room and he's saying, uh, that, uh, there's going to be a transfer of files and, uh, from one building to a government building to another. Um, and that material will be similar to what's in the box in front of him. And he wants him to practice opening the file and finding the material that they need. He goes, you're to memorize the charts on the lower half of the third page. You'll only have 90 seconds to memorize 30 charts Holy hell. Oh my God. And then he goes, and then you can go back to your, uh, your hotel in an hour. He goes, practice makes perfect. He's frightening. Yeah. He's very cold. Mm-hmm. So now Francine's on the camera now and she's watching and she could see, um, she says the rooster's on the walk and two mother hens behind him. So, uh, <laughs> he's, he's eating popcorn. He's got a little bag of popcorn and then there's a shopping cart right behind him with a paper bag. And then Amanda's in a cute little, <laughs> She's in like a cute little um, uh, meter maid outfit. She's like lovely Rita meter maid. And mm-hmm. um, and then you see this truck backing up with a bunch of shopping carts on it as well. And when it pulls up and the person gets out, it's a quite good looking man that we all recognize, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lee. Uh, and so then they're, they're moving quickly and they can tell that the Russians are on to them. So... Zemed tries to slip in the, the information in the note, but then the Russians come up and throw tear gas in the, in the paper bag and it starts everything smoking and on fire and everything. And then, uh, Lee can only, his, his eyes get hurt and he can only grab the, the note, but they only get a little sl- snippet of what it actually is. So, and then, uh, he yells at Amanda and says, she's like, Oh, your eyes and everything. The poor guy. <laughs> so yeah, it does say it's Sasha. I don't know. Can I just say that this whole like shopping carts in the back of this truck mm-hmm. stunt is incredibly dangerous? I mean, do they really have to do that? I mean, it, that's nuts. Well, they you use, they, they do do that. it. They use it because later in the chase scene when Amanda's chasing after them in her little meter maid, you know, vehicle, right. her little mini Jeep, they call it, uh they're throwing them at her so they're like 
she's having to dodge and weave them around them, you know. So they obviously strategically they wanted it, but yeah, it is very dangerous because those things are just yeah. going to roll off and kill somebody. <laughs> it seems dangerous and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you hear somebody yell, "He's passing something," and then. Uh, the guy's there to throw a, a smoke bomb in there and Lee grabs it really quick, but his eyes are, are burning. And then the Russians grab, grab uh, Zemed, the pa- bag starts on fire and Amanda grabs the, um, and then they take off in Lee's <laughs> pickup truck. And then Amanda hands him a, a, a fire extinguisher and he's like, go, go follow after him. So then she's in that little mini Jeep chasing after him. Ooh, a doodle bug, yellow one. She looks like a Charlie's Angel in that outfit. Uh, she does. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, you have to do a side-by-side, yeah, of, of her yeah. being the meter maid uh, in the front entry of uh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. So this poor piano, this piano is about to eat it. <laughs> it doesn't even know it. It's about to eat it. But, um, yeah, the, the guys are in the back of the pickup, and then they're throwing out, uh, which actually, when you bring up the Charlie's Angels thing, there was a – a scene it was a potato truck and it had potatoes in the back and they were throwing the girls were throwing potatoes and crates out at the bad guys that were behind them so this is very much no from that yeah it was very much like very that similar. yeah yes. it's funny but now uh, poor amanda's got to dodge these these carts because those things are almost as big as her damn yeah. jeep she's driving it's so little so he's putting him down there and she's weaving back and forth trying to trying to miss him she hit one square on though <laughs> And, uh, and then she kind of, she's still got more carts coming at her. <laughs> My goodness. And then she slams into the piano and just takes it out. <laughs> Poor piano. <laughs> and she kind of stops like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> this seems different than in the, oh, there was one other thing in the script when they're uh when francine's on the two-way radio and she says they're on their way two surveillance teams are following the limo they're heading in the direction of the russian embassy standing near the window amanda is lost in thought lee says then let's get moving he's a brave little guy (laughs) that's what he says he's a brave little guy that's so funny yeah yeah zamed's a brave little guy (laughs) okay so then this is where it's different in the script than what's in the actual show. So Amanda's at home at night and talking to Lee on the phone, who's at the agency. But in the script, uh, they're all at the agency. Lee and Amanda are checking out a slide illuminated on the rear projection screen. It's an enlargement of Zamed's note that was reconstructed after the fire damage. Under the coded letters are the encrypted words, will be given access to Z-class federal blank space, indicating a part of the message that is impossible to read because of charring files being transferred at 4 PM tomorrow. Amanda says the point is he trusted me. I should have talked him out of going in back in the first place. Lee says, why blame yourself? Zemed knew the risk he was taking when he volunteered. And as far as the message drop being a bust, that's the sort of thing that happens when you're up against the best. Francine enters with a file folders and hands one to Billy who's at his desk. No sign of Zemed. Amanda says, I feel like we've handed him his death warrant. And Lee says, I don't think so. Tulse has gone to a lot of trouble to harm Zemed now. He's got plans for him. And then it says, if Zemed's right, Billy says, if Zemed's right about the target, 
being federal files, maybe we can get a break. And Amanda says, can we find out which files being transferred tomorrow could be of any use to the KGB? Billy reads the files that Francine gave him. And Francine says, this town's a paper mill. There's thousands of files being transferred tomorrow. But And then Lee says, but Tulse will be after the cream, highly classified with strategic importance. So notice I said Francine said that. Because what happens is Amanda's at home. She's not at the agency. Lee and Billy are at the agency. And he's saying all these things about how he volunteered. And, you know, we saved part of his note. And we know it's government files. She she goes, he didn't volunteer. We told him we were going to deport him. He goes, all right, duly noted. And he says, the point is so far, um, you know, this is how things happen. And then um, she goes, I feel like we handed him the death warrant. He goes, no, I don't think so. No, Tulse has gone to a lot of trouble not to harm him. He's got plans for him. That's why we, he smuggled him into the country. He goes, now quit worrying, will you? Get back down here. We've got an all-nighter ahead of us. She's like, all right, I'll see you in a minute. But then non-Francine comes in and like plops down. If I ever did that to my boss, oh my God, I'd get my hand slapped probably. She comes in and like just drop. She like literally hand, holds it up really high and then drops it on his desk rude yeah totally rude and it's not even francine but that's who's that's who it's supposed to be that's why i was saying i think martha might have been out because martha was supposed to be in this episode uh, this scene and she's also supposed to be the one who drives and causes that fake accident that beeman's doing it's supposed to be her not not uh beeman so she must have been out for some reason yeah yeah so i don't know it's weird so, but do you guys notice, like, it's this lady and she's supposed to be, like, snarky and Francine-like, you know, because it's Francine's lines. But she's very, um, like, negative na- Nancy. She comes across, like, very negative Nancy to me. Yeah. She comes across wrong, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't seem, it just doesn't, it's not natural. Yeah, it doesn't have the same delivery at all. It's like, girl, who are you? We don't know who you are. You can't talk to them that way, you know? <laughs> That's how I felt watching it. Yeah. So they're explaining that only Z class, you know, so medical files from from the Pentagon. And he is like, at least like medical. What would he want with medical files? Z class is sensitive only. And she goes, who knows? These aren't anything but academy physicals, boot camp statistics. There's some steroid test data on compact combat fatigue. And then Lee's saying it has to be a, a fake. And then she's like, girl, I don't I don't like this woman at all. She rubs me the wrong way. It's like, who are you? Why are you here? No one asked you to be here. Go on, you know? Yeah. I don't I don't know why I have that feeling, but she's really it's like she's an intruder to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. It but it's just like she's just filling in, but she's milking those scenes, those lines for anything she can get. She's like, wouldn't Tulse cancel his plans? Those were, that was actually Amanda's line. So the ladies apparently got a free uh, day off or something here. I don't know why they weren't in this episode, maybe. Or this scene, rather. Yeah, it's weird. Anyways. She's hoping they'll ask her back if she, if she does a good job. <laughs> she didn't, and they didn't ask her back, so. <laughs> I wonder who she is, though. I, I didn't look to see because I didn't do the things. Did you see anybody, uh, who this woman is? There, so there was only one woman... Um, guest star, at least from what I saw on the... what they call her? What was her... But it was Judy, and then you said that the the black guy earlier, his name was Jessup, but I'm pretty sure that's what her character was. So let me go back and look real quick. Her name was Judy uh, Jessup? 
No, no, her oh. real name. The, oh. That was the only, like, female name that I saw. I think, huh. Yeah, the only, um, Judy M. Durand played Jessup. Otherwise, there's two Kyles, um, David, Alan, Lance, Ian, Alan, and another Alan. There's literally huh. three Alans in this one. So, Jessup was the black guy, right? At the, yeah. At the mm-hmm. hotel. Yep, yep. Um, That's what it said in the script. Jessup was the guy the the person who had Jessup's lines was that that um guy uh, that came up to him later and said yeah, I lost him I I the only reason I I I was surprised when he said that that was Jessup because that's the only female name but there's no picture in it hmm. and the um the acting history of this person it looks like they like added themselves to a bunch and I say that because like they have 50 credits but about half of them if not more are uncredited Wow. It looked like for me, uh, like when I was looking at it. So I chose not to talk about that one, but there's no. That's got to be her. That's got to be her then. Yeah, she's probably um, just a fill in kind of thing. Because I think the black guy was Lance Roberts. That, okay. And I did talk about him because uh, there's only. Unless his name is Judy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> it. It was a little confusing. But when yeah. Oh, yeah, Jessup. I'm like, that is not, I did not picture his name as being Judy because he does, he looks more like the Slants Roberts guy. Yeah. Because he has a picture, but the Judy person does not. So yeah, that's weird. I was on this too. Uh, the group. Okay. Very weird. Yeah, super weird. So, anyway, yes. Did I look? Yeah. Was I confused? Absolutely. You, you see when they have the same name playing, you know, the, the actress and the characters like the same name, which yeah. in parentheses they have it. It's just some random. Seems like a random person that mm-hmm. isn't really a uh, well-known actress mm-hmm. or actor. At least that's what I found when I'm looking at him. Okay, so now um, we're back at the embassy, and dude, Zemed is going gangster on those files, man. He's just like a, it looks like he's like a robot. He's just like zipping yeah. through it. Is that how you read, Lex? Do you look like a robot? Julia has said that, like, when she watches me read, like, my eyes just are constantly... Yeah, you, you read. I have never yeah. seen anybody read faster than you. I know I said that a ton of times. I'm impressed by it. I, it's, like, phenomenal to, to me, me. it doesn't seem like I'm reading fast. And it was never intentional. It was just I wanted to know what happened. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a destination yes, person. Yes, you are. So I need to know what happened. Yeah. And that's what drove And me. I'm a journey. I'm a journey person, and you're a destin- destination a person. Julia yeah. is a journey person, too, and I don't understand it. I just get <laughs> where I need to go from A to point B. I don't give up anything in between. It's not true, but you know what I mean? I'm no, I know. Yeah, you always, it always boggled my mind when I first met you. You were like... Well, I'd be like, oh, you should really watch this show. It would be something not this is before SMK, yeah. uh, you know, came into the picture for you. But like, just like, oh, this is really good. And you're like, well, how does it end? And I'm like, well, if I tell you, you're like, no, I have to know how it ends. And then I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. So then you'd go look it up anyways. And I'm like, dude, how do you do that? For, okay, for shows, usually I won't look it up. But movies, yes. Yeah, it might have been a movie. It might have been a movie. Usually yeah. not books because I feel like I can get through it quicker. But sometimes movies, I, I do want to know. Or like I'll be watching it and I'm like, you know what? I, I just this has to end. Yeah, it. this has to end in a certain way. Otherwise, yeah, you're not interested. It doesn't go as quickly as I want it to. Yeah, yeah. that's so I mean, funny. I always That always boggled my mind. I'm like, how do you? You don't like surprises. <laughs> like you want to enjoy it to find out what happens. 
but you're like, nope, I got to know exactly what it is. That cracks me up. <laughs> That's so funny. So we see him and he's literally memorizing this information so fast. He really does look like a robot. And then he comes up with the information and he's like, you're five seconds slow, but better. He's like, take a breather to drum up your desire to try harder. And then the camera pans back. Oh, he's got really pretty blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, breathing is a bit difficult. And then he looks down and he's got a whole thing of dynamite strapped to him or C- C4 or something, some type of explosive tape to him and uh, doesn't look comfortable. That tape's nope. going to hurt when it comes off that hair. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oof. If it comes off, that'll be the least of his problems. Yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. The one time you'd feel relief from, from experiencing that pain. Um, so now Sasha comes back and he's telling him it would be wise to pull out, you know, because the Americans are on to him. And of course, Tulse is not hearing any of the little bastard that he is. He goes, it doesn't matter. There's nothing he could have told them. We're halfway to, to putting looking glass on display at the Moscow air show and they don't have a clue. And the guy says, I hope you're right. He goes, I know I'm right. Cause I'm so freaking cocky. <laughs> We can hand deliver the Operation Rainbow Group to the Americans and wave it in front of their noses and they still wouldn't know what was going on. And they won't figure it out until their airborne command post drops out of Homestead radar and I wave adios. <laughs> wow, he is just so full of himself, isn't he? He really does look like he's gotten work done. I wonder if they made him look like that or if he just really looked like that. Could be. To me, it kind of looked a little bit like acne scarring, like like really oh. deep. Oh, like, like, like those pockets. Skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Which, if he really did have surgery, he wouldn't have had those probably, right? <laughs> he would have had some sort of resurfacing. Thing. Yeah. We're at the agency again. And then Lee's begging to get another 24-hour extension. He's like, he's, he goes, you can tell he's totally snowing the guy. He goes, He's he's a real gusher. He's a real gold mine. He's, it's like a gusher. And he goes, yes, I know I'm mixing my metaphors. He goes, and you're making me crazy, okay? <laughs> and then Francine and and, uh, and Amanda come in, and they've got uh, more information. She said, I ran the delivery notice through. They're dumping 18,000 files tomorrow. Potpourri. They always say potpourri in this show. They love that word. Don't they? It's a good word. It's a a little potpourri. They say it like at least probably five or six times. Yeah. So Amanda and Francine have come into the conference room. Uh, two other guys are in there with Billy uh, and Lee. And Francine says, I think we might have found something. We ran the delivery notice through the computer. They're dumping 18,000 files tomorrow. Potpourri. It's testing on lab animals, astro- um, astronaut physicals. And, and then Amanda says, look, there's seven uh, routes but there's only one that matches up with uh, Zamed's note. And he goes, Lee's like, what is a gallbladder results? <laughs> and she's like, gives him a look like, okay, smart Alec. <laughs> uh, preliminary physical data on air force crews is what Billy reads. And then says, I don't know what he wants, but it, the minute he makes his move, they're going to be able to figure it out. And then uh, Lee tells her, you know, relax it's okay we're gonna we'll be on it he's our Zamed's our first priority which I'm sure isn't true but you know 
And then here we get to see the Griffith Park again. It's kind of a cool shot with uh, Amanda sitting there with Billy. You know, don't usually get to see them together by themselves, just the two of them very often. Yeah. You know, it's rare. Um, but then uh, we see an army truck coming down the road. And then Amanda points out that it's coming. And then we hear Francine over the radio, rather. Um, and he says, what do you have? She goes, for the last two miles, the army vehicle has been followed by a tow truck. He goes, all right, drop off. We'll pick it up from here. So then he and Amanda get in the car and they're following now the tow truck, which is has Tulse driving. Then we see like a, a sharpshooter and he shoots out the tire, the front tire of the army vehicle, and which I'm sure they were expecting. And it's Sasha. This Sasha guy is working hard in this episode for not being the main yeah. bad guy. He's like in a lot of scenes. Yeah, he is the, uh, the executor. Yeah. He's the... He's the one that gets his hands dirty, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, oh, a tow truck just happens upon you. Oh, let me help you. And he's like, you can tell he's really trying hard to have an uh, American accent and be very manly, (laughs) sharp. Looks like you have a problem. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, lug necks damn near uh, welded to the wheel. He's like, with my pneumatic wrench, we can get that off. <laughs> and then as he goes by, he opens the passenger door. And then we get to see Zemed climbing out, which he would have had to really climb very well because he has that bomb still strapped to him. He'd have to be super careful. Yeah. One wrong move and uh, could be the last move you make. So he sneaks into the back of the pickup uh, of the back of the um, Jeep there. And he starts going through those files because he really only has 90 seconds and he doesn't want to be killed. Um, and you can hear the soldiers, you know, they're like, thanks for your help, bud. <laughs> and then Lee sneaks up because Lee's in the back and he says, shh, quiet. Which files are you supposed to read? And he's like, the files are marked Rimbold family. Now leave me alone. <laughs> he's like, seconds, and, and he's like taking it from him and he's like, no, he pulls it. He goes, Tulse will be picked up. You'll be safe. He goes, let me do my job, what I'm supposed to do. He goes, now listen. And, he, and then he opens up and he's got that thing on him and he's like. He's got that chest hair. Yeah, he does. Oh, you like that? Oh, no, you don't. No, okay. I, don't. <laughs> I was going to say. Maybe that lady in the yellow knows something. She goes by all the time. She probably picks up something. Right. Yeah. With her dog in the same outfit every single time. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? You'd be like, I'm in. 29 episodes of scarecrow (laughs) really who are you remember the lady that walks by that was me oh yeah um so now lee's upset he's like you know like what an idiot he was to think that they could just go in and snatch him you know it's like uh, tulse has a a, uh you know the plan and knows everything that's going to happen always yeah well you know he is he yeah. said he's the he's a major domo of dirty tricks, so this is as dirty as a kit, I think. So now we have Beeman, Francine. There's quite a few people in the conference room here, and they're all trying to figure out what files they wanted and why. They're saying they can't they can't touch him because he's at the embassy without sending off uh, you know a major flap. And then Francine says, "I ran the data on the test uh, past Doctor Faff. Now he confirms that they are stress tests." And then he says, stress test for what? She's, and then Amanda says, air traffic control. Because she reads it off a piece of paper. Now, in the script, it's a little different. They actually tie in what's going on with Dottie. And, and Lee says, stress test for what? And Amanda said, could these have anything to do with flying? And Beeman says, flying. And then 
she says the right hand box marked ATC off their looks. She says, my mother's learning to fly and ATC is something she's studying. And Lee says, sure, ATC is air traffic control. And these are medical stress tests. The FS is front of, in front of the name could mean flight surgeon. The FS in front of the name could mean flight surgeon. And then Beeman says, you might have something. The Air, Air Force uses a five number series starting with seven dash O to ID their planes. And then, so then Amanda's like the one who figures out air traffic control, not just reading it off a piece of paper. So that was kind of interesting, but I guess they for, went and, you know, decided not to go with that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And then Lee says, you know, what about Rainbow Family? Operation Rainbow Family. And, and then Billy gets through uh, on the phone and Beeman's like, what is stress test? We all get them every six months. And then Billy comes comes up and he says, we've just walked into a hornet's nest. And Lee's like, what? He goes, Rainbow Family is the code for squadron at Andrews, assigned to the looking glass missions. They give the, gave the test pilots that flew the headquarters planes. And then Amanda says, what's looking glass? Looking glass is a Saks headquarters plane. And they... In the, when you were looking at the, the closed captioning, it just says sax, like a saxophone, S-A-X, but it's actually S-A-C, like sack, um, in the script. So I think S-A-C must stand for something that I'm just not familiar with, but I'm sure somebody, um, listening probably knows. If the United States is a target of a first strike, command switches upstairs. There's a looking glass plane in the sky 24 hours a day as a security precaution there are three look-alike planes flying decoy, nine crews on an irregular rotation. And then Billy says, now we're all starting to think along the same lines. Each crew is assigned according to those biorhythms and stress tests. Now that means that Tulse with, with Zamed can now calculate those and get a pattern, which is pretty diabolical. <laughs> and Francine says the odds are a thousand to one. And against him ever figuring out, and she says, it's a meds, a computer. He can do it. Even if Tulse uses Zamed to figure out the pilot rotation, what could he do with it? And they're like, I don't know. There's no point in killing a pilot. They couldn't get on there. It's, it's harder to get in there than the White House, White House, rather. So Billy's saying that he's arranged it so that the agency will escort the pilots to Andrews. So now it's, Lee and Amanda are at Lee's house and Lee says that was Billy. The pilot scheduled for the next shift was just escorted to the base. Nothing out of the ordinary happened. She goes, yeah, with nine pilots on rotating shifts, it could be days before anything happens. And then Lee's like, hey, what's the matter? Are you okay? She goes, he goes, you haven't eaten much. She goes, just thinking about Zamed. Once Tolts gets a hold of him, what's going to happen to him? This is kind of sad. Once he's finished with him, he won't have any more use for him. She goes, think he'll send him back to Russia? And he goes, honestly speaking? And she's like, yeah. He goes, I doubt if he'll get out of D.C. And she just is like, ugh, it crushes her. He said, at one point I had a contact at the Russian embassy. You know, he'd be, if he were there today, I might be able to get a, get word to his med to make a run for it. And then whatever they have planned for him, they can't do it at the, on embassy property. And before they remove from him from the embassy, well, they'll convince him that the KGB is everywhere. And she said, hey, she saw a newspaper and it, and it had a Maverick advertisement. And uh, she said, hey, if we could get a message to him, would the agency help? He goes, yeah, sure. It might be a little tricky. 
And then she shows him the newspaper and he's like, <laughs> he gives her a look like, really? He goes, come on. <laughs> That's cute. So now we're at the embassy, back at the embassy. It's 430 um, in the morning and they're still running the numbers. And he's like, the stress curve for him is that it's low ebb. Um, and he figured out exactly when the guy that he has made himself look like uh, is going to be in rotation. And so he knows exactly when it is. And he's like, run it again. He's like, I'm certain. He goes, run it again. So um, Sasha comes in because Sasha hasn't been in a scene for 30 seconds uh, and comes in and says that uh, the last diversion that happened has been reported to Moscow. And they're telling him that they need to scrap this. And he's like, no, it's happening now. And like, he's just not hearing any of it. He's, he's going on with this plan without not caring what Moscow wants. He's saying, proceed as if we haven't heard a word from Moscow. So he's going against what they want and just pretend like, oh, we didn't get your message. (laughs) And he says, tomorrow morning, I want him out of the embassy. You can take care of him any way you like. Ooh, the killer in him's like, ooh, I can just be creative in my killing. Yeah. It's messed up. It's kind of fun to see the whole California strip there, you know, as they're driving. Mm Mm-hmm. So you see the limo, Sasha's in there clipping his fingernails or doing something with his nails. And uh, they they pull up at a stoplight. And then Beeman, now again, this was supposed to be Francine driving. Uh, Beeman, like, cuts right in front of him. And he's like, hey, I had the right away." And then the, Sasha gets out and he's not very happy. He's like, back up this car. What a remarkably pig-headed stunt. I had the right away." And he goes, oh, I think I wrenched my neck. <laughs> then... Amanda pulls up in a cab and you see the Maverick sign there and he sees it and then he gets out and jumps in with her and they take off, which is great. Except that it does assume that they took the bomb off of Zaned. <laughs> yeah, well, they they would have because they're going to kill him. They don't want to kill him and then have that bomb on him. That probably wouldn't be good. So that it's probably... Yeah, they just and if he did have it, if he did still have it, they'd have Bomb Squad come out and help him. Probably take it off, I would think. <laughs> just... Yeah, um. And what are those two people there? They're just like looky-loos just standing in the middle of the street, literally in the middle of the street watching. Do you see him? There's like a guy with a sweater over yeah. his, like a... Just observing. Yeah, just seeing what's going on. That's <laughs> so, so funny. They're probably not extras, right? Like they're Probably, probably not. People, probably. Like, wondering, oh, I'm going to be in the show. What show is this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a major important part here, so... He's like, when I saw Maverick, I knew, I know it was you, <laughs> which is very sweet. He's just so charming. So she's like, did, did Toll show you any pictures of the pilots? You looked at their charts and she's flipping, he's flipping through them and he doesn't see anybody. And then he sees Toll's and he's like, wait, this can't be. So the guy made him look just like him. And, uh, so now they know exactly who, what is, what, what his game is. And, uh, did you guys notice where they pulled in? Betsy Ross estates. I bet you Betty Bodine's house was up and that's probably why that guy lives there. (laughs) Yeah. It's Betty, it's Betsy, Betsy Ross estates. So Betty Bodine's house is probably was vacant for a while. So that pilot moved in there. Yeah, I'm sure. Actually, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. But he's the pilot lives in Betsy Ross, so a whole lot of intrigue happens in that neighborhood, (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) Seems like it. Yeah. 
now they know what his game is. So now Billy's going to Tulsa, going to Hannigan's house. Uh, and obviously he's well aware that Hannigan is probably not the person he's talking to, but rather Tulsa. So he's playing along with it and uh, goes up to the house and, and tells them that he's going to be the escort and he'll explain in the car um, what they're doing. And he's like, okay. And again, he's got that fake, okay, let me go get my things, you know, kind of radio voice going on. And so then, but again, he gets, this is what happens with those cocky guys that just, they, they think they're invincible. He goes in and makes kind of a comment to the very unconscious Hannigan. And he's like, uh, grabs his hat and he just kind of laughs, grabs his, uh, ID and everything, his wallet and stuff. And then he says, chuckles softly. And he says, after I fly the looking glass to Cuba, you might consider plastic surgery, Colonel Hannigan. It's like, seriously, dude. Right. Insult to injury there. You have to be a jerk about it. (laughs) Not to mention he's like knocked unconscious. All right. So then Lee pulls up uh, at Andrew's and uh, Billy's there already, obviously. uh, And they're walking Hannigan the fake Hannigan, uh, to the plane. And, and, uh, Tulsa is, you know, totally still trying to sell that that's him. And Lee's there, which I would think he would rec- You would think he would know a top agent there, but maybe he just assumes he's an agent and that's why he's there. He's like, it's not often I get a personal escort by the agency. I appreciate the trouble. He was no trouble, Colonel. Just relieved that it was a false alarm. And then all of a sudden Zemed says, excuse me, Colonel Toast. But this is checkmate. And then Lee's like, you lose. <laughs> Good day, sir. You lose a game. <laughs> and then, of course, he fights him and tries to uh, get away. Like, he's going to get away with all those soldiers right there. <laughs> right. And then Lee gets him over there. And then Billy goes, I hope you like your no face because you're going to be wearing it a long time. <laughs> and then they, they take off. Now, in the script, is a little different. Amanda and Francine are there as well in the background. And instead it's that Judy person again. Again, yeah. where the hell is Martha? Jeez. Kate looks so fat there, doesn't she? Her waist looks like it's about 12 inches big. <laughs> it is so tiny. Good Lord. I think my thigh is bigger than her waist. <laughs> I'm probably right there with you. <laughs> but then uh, Judy, Debbie Downer over there is uh, negative Nancy. No, negative Nancy's over there with Amanda. And Francine's line is, something tells me your friend Zemed won't have any trouble staying in the country, any problem staying in the country. And then Amanda says, no, sometimes a guy just has to go for it. Off Francine's confused look and Amanda's smile, we freeze frame and fade out. of it. That's end of act four. But again, it's not Francine by any shape or form here. But I think it's sweet that Amanda gives uh, Zemet a big hug. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the tag. Now, there's an error in the tag. We've had a couple errors in this episode. But uh, you can actually see the film crew's lighting in this episode. In in this particular uh, scene coming up here. It's evening. It's, you know, obviously after they've got Zemed all taken care of and Lee's cooking. He's got a little apron on. It's so cute. And Amanda's kind of just relaxing on the couch and, and uh, reading a magazine. And uh, Lee's saying, you know, contrary to belief that you don't think I have anything in my refrigerator, <laughs> I want you to know I'm preparing a feast 
Escoffier would be jealous of. And she says, you know, she wishes he wouldn't have gone to all that trouble because she's probably too tired to appreciate it. He goes, no one's ever too tired to try one of my frittatas. It's a potpourri, again, potpourri of eggs and mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) He loves that. They love that word. They always have him say it too. It's kind of funny. I do love his kitchen door there. That brass plate on it. That's pretty. Yeah, I agree. Mushrooms, garlic, spinach, everything but the kitchen sink. When I was assigned to a NATO operation in Capri, I met this wonderful old chef who shared with me his secret for making the perfect frittata. You don't saute the garlic, but add to the eggs just before you put it under the broiler. That way you keep the flavor and you don't burn your garlic. Have you guys ever had a, um, a frittata? I don't think so. They are yeah. delicious. I love them. Do you like them? No. No, why not? <laughs> yeah. What did you have in it? What was in yours? Um, it was like, it was an egg frittata. It had like, uh, you know, like garlic and spinach and I don't know. It's, okay. It's like similar to quiche, right? Yeah. But it's, mm-hmm. it's not. It's yeah, not, no, but yeah. Oh, and peppers. I, and you know, I love peppers. Yeah. So I just okay. don't like the texture. It's like some, Okay. Like spongy, a little yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I do like a frittata. I um, we had this restaurant back where I grew up, where um, they made really good frittatas, and I would get it every time, and it was so big, and I would eat like a third of it, and I'd be like, oh, I'm so full, but it was so good, and then I, you know, eat it later or something. It was really good though. I haven't had one for probably two years. So Lee says, so Amanda, and then you hear a champagne pop, uh, cork pop, glasses clink. Think of this. A celebration for Zemed being accepted to the Defectors Relocation Program. <laughs> and I can only speak for myself when I say that we are long overdue for some celebrating around here. Especially the type that includes only the two of us, huh? So, with that thought in mind, some romantic candlelight, a little bubbly, a little... Romance. <sighs> A very little romance. Hmm. I may be sleepy, but I'm not dead. <laughs> A nice little smooch she sure does she opens her mouth i mean it's uh she was committing (laughs) i mean come on i would too i'm just saying she really committed to that one i'm sleepy but i'm not dead (laughs) (laughs) it's very cute though but the script ending is way different not way different but it's definitely a different location and uh huh what i said bed Wow, you dirty girl. Meow. Meow. Okay, this is uh, exterior, king house, backyard, night um, of day number four. A single light shines from the second floor as Lee playfully leads Amanda, dressed in her nightgown, from the house to the treehouse ladder. Lee's carrying a picnic basket, which doesn't help her exhausted mood. During the following, they both have to whisper. Amanda says, Lee, this is ridiculous. He says, come on, I've got it all set up. She says, I've had one hour of sleep in the last 72. He says, be a sport. Do it for Zemed. We can celebrate his acceptance into the Defectors Relocation Program. She goes, I'd rather celebrate in my sleep. 
<laughs> he says, between work and homework, this is our chance to be alone. And at the ladder, Lee coaxes her up the rungs. Amanda says, I'm not having fun, Stetson. As she climbs into the treehouse, Lee steps on the ladder and puts the picnic basket in. But we will. First, we'll light some candles, then a little champagne, and then angle Lee's point of view of Amanda as he looks through the entrance. She's already fast asleep. Lee says, continuing a little romance. A smile crosses his face as she sleeps quietly, leaning in to kiss her on the cheek. Lee says, a very little romance again. And he kisses her. Freeze frame, fade out. Yeah, it's cute. I like, I like, it would have been cute, but I like this one too. I like how she like pulls him in and she's like, I'm sleepy, but I'm not dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, you'd have to be dead not to want to kiss him. Just saying. Anyways, that one's, that one's a cute one. It's probably one I underestimate when I think about, oh, which one am I going to watch? I kind of like, oh, that one's, eh," you know, but it's, it's, it's pretty cute. I agree. Yeah. 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 It's one of the better season four ones anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's there's only so many left that are uh, that are good. <laughs> but it is cute. It's time for Dottie's bookshelf and she's pulled two stories that tie into this episode for her recommendations. The first is A Very Little Romance written by Texan 55 in February of 2021 and has about 550 words. This is an extension to the tag where Lise tries to get Amanda to at least try his frittata. The woman would have to be mad not to at least try the man's frittata. I do love a good frittata. Wink, wink. Dottie's second recommendation is No Thanks for the Memory, Tagalog, written by Amber Stockton. This too is an extension of the tag, but this one includes dessert and a little dancing. As always, we'll provide links to our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes, but they can also be found on fanfic.net. It's now time to discuss some videos related to this episode. The first video is based around the last scene and shows clips of what Amanda is dreaming about while Lee cooks. The video is based on the song Forever Love by Reba McIntyre and was created by Swiss Miss Kinema. The second video is put together by Tessa Kendall McKenzie and is set to the song Secret Lovers by Atlantic Star. Very good song for this part of season four. Where Lee and Amanda are clearly having trouble seeing each other enough given that it's a secret and all of those family and work commitments. These videos can be found on YouTube, and we also provided links on our website under the show notes tab at mkcpodcast.com. Mrs. Marston received a new letter in her mailbag from Cheryl R. She says, I have listened to every one of your podcasts and really look forward to each and every one. I have never been moved to comment until now. Taya, you're absolutely correct. Okay, wait, let's just, let's pause for a second. Taya was right. <laughs> Taya was right. My redemption is here. Okay, That's go ahead. True. Keep Let's going. Let's get through it. Um, so uh, she said she's absolutely correct about Lee's comment to Amanda in the triumvirate when he said some things I really like. He was obviously looking forward to spending the evening all alone protecting Amanda. He was very disappointed when Francine arrived to relieve him. The look he gave her when he said it was enough to melt butter. I don't think he was thinking about intrigue or chasing bad guys, but about the fact that he was spending time alone with her. I always read that scene like you did. Never saw it any other way. Respectfully submitted, Cheryl R. Oh, that's cute. I, Cheryl, I, forget. I have to say. <laughs> you be quiet. 
cute answer. Um, I'm glad that Taya has someone on her side. <laughs> For once. Because then I did not feel that way about it You guys all. broke my heart. I'm sure people heard it breaking, literally breaking on the in the podcast because it was breaking nobody I was like are you kidding me like nobody thinks this like my whole I I lived on that for probably 30 years thinking that and then you guys like totally broke it in one night I was like <laughs> so thank you Cheryl yeah obviously we can't get into it again no. but I'm, I'm glad that don't break my heart again <laughs> you know it takes all different kinds <gasps> of interpretations right to make oh Cheryl how dare you how dare you is is right there with you so that's the important thing <laughs> for once somebody agreed with me thank you cheryl yeah, yeah. we can always set this to a vote at some point <laughs> <laughs> no don't break my heart twice man don't break it twice although our our listeners there are quite a few romantic uh listeners so they might make you guys uh look like in the mi- minority you know, I'm not going to speak for Jen, but I'm a pretty romantic, like, thinking person. Like, I read into things way more than I should. But in that specific instance, I could see where if he had acted, like, he being Bruce, maybe had acted a little bit differently, I would have interpreted it that way. But in that particular scene, I just didn't feel what you were feeling. <laughs> I didn't, like, get it. I he did, though. He had that look, and he's like, there are some that I like a whole lot, you know, like, looked at her without being too like all lusty after or anything but it was you know enough i thought yeah yeah it would have taken away from the seriousness of the conversation i guess yeah if he had meant it that way i don't think i think it they're having like a heart to heart about like yeah but i don't think i think that's a perfect time to say it you know they're talking about the seriousness of their job and I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think he wants to be with her. I don't think that's it. Yeah, 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 I know. And, <laughs> and let's not let's are. not rehash it because my heart can only take so much rejection on that anyways in a, in a couple month period. So, uh, no, but thank you, Cheryl. I, I appreciate yes. it. I'm so glad I have one listener on my side. <laughs> right. So um, for Cheryl and for anyone else that, well, number one, Cheryl, thank you for sharing your feedback with us as well as your thoughts and feelings. Um, I'm glad that they aligned with Taya so that she wasn't standing alone. Um, but in general, if any of our other listeners would also like to be featured during our Mail with Mrs. Marston segment, be sure to send us a note via email to Mrs. King's Chronicles at gmail.com or you can send through a comment on our website, which is mkcpodcast.com. That does it for No Thanks for the Memory. Be sure to join us next time for Green Milk with It's in the Water. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.